0: I don't want to lose my mouth. Hey, everyone. Welcome to tonight's show, California Haunts Radio. We will be broadcasting on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and TikTok tonight. Uh, the guest has a health issue that she is she, she is dealing with right now. She will reset and come on back after she feels better in a couple of weeks. Um, I found out earlier today, which is nice, instead of just before the show. So that was nice. She apologized all over herself. So what I do on a night like this is we're going to be reading from Anna Maria Manalo's Unholy Structure. But what I also decided to do is since I'm doing this, it's a good chance where I can actually have TikTok involved as well. And so we're going to have TikTok on here with us. And uh, so I'll be not only talking to you guys, I'll be talking to TikTok. And as you can see, there's no intro today because I didn't want to mislead anybody about what we were doing. The other warning I have for everybody who comes on that wants to that uh, ch- wants to chat is that I won't be in the chat room. I'll, well, I'm in the chat room, but I'm not. Because I, my tablet still hasn't been upgraded properly. And um, I still don't have my re- uh, the right reading glasses to go with the con- my new contacts. So I cannot read the book yet. So I am reading this via Kindle on my computer, on my laptop. So in order for me to do that, I have to switch off this page you know, this camera page, leave this one open and then switch over to the Kindle page. So that's what's going to be happening today. So I cannot answer anybody's questions or anything like that. But I want to welcome you guys, you know, and that's what's going on is, is the guest could not make it tonight. And so here we are and I'm doing the show and we're going to read it. Um, Yeah, this book is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So. Uh, okay, so in a few minutes, I'm going to welcome TikTok onto here and, uh, TikTok is currently on my cell phone. I, won't be, I definitely won't be able to read their comments either over there so <laughs> because I can't see that. I mean I could see your comments and stuff. It's great with, with, with these new contacts but the TikTok comments they're because, because they're on my, they're on my iPhone if there is anybody. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody that's coming in. Uh, we'll start at 6 30. Uh, the guest for tonight is ill and could not and could not attend. Uh, she let me know uh, early this afternoon, so I was able to shift gears, and the reason why there's no intro is because I decided not to do that and be really honest with everybody in the front front of all this and say, look, she's sick, so we're going to be reading from Anna Maria Manolo's book. Quick warning about the book, too, is that my contacts and my <laughs> reading glasses don't match up yet, so I can't read directly from her hardcover book that she gave me. So I'm going to be reading on Kindle on this laptop. So that means I'll be clicking over to the Kindle page to read. So if you guys have comments or if you guys have any comments or anything, uh, be sure to know that I'm not ignoring you. I'm just reading off the Kindle. Okay. All right. I want to get TikTok going here. And uh, here we go. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to California Haunts Radio. It is Wednesday night. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot what night it was, even. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California and uh, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. Just a quick warning over TikTok. Hello, TikTok. How's everybody doing? Uh, quick warning across TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, because that's where we're going out to tonight. Is that I cannot read your comments because the I'm on my I'm on my iPhone, so the iPhone is like way over there, so it's hard for me to read the comments. But uh, I know you're there, and if uh, and, I, and and I have a few things to say before we get rolling. Okay, everybody needs to be respectful. All right, this is a paranormal page, a paranormal radio show which I do every night, Monday through Sunday, and uh, we tell ghost stories and uh, have guests on to tell ghost stories and talk about different ghostly things. Plus, we talk about other stuff, and I'm going to get to that right now. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see, please be sure to hit that like button and, and the smileys and all that stuff because that puts us higher up in the algorithm and uh, makes me happy too. And plus, if you haven't if, if you haven't done so already, you can join my pages. I have two pages that, that, that are open up for following. And uh, follow me because we have over 500 and, it, 578 videos now. That we've done, and they're all different topics. I'm a journalist. I like uh, to do different topics because of that. So uh, if you if, if you feel so inclined, please please follow. Same thing with YouTube. If you're watching from YouTube, and you like what you see, please be sure to hit that like and follow button, or even the heart. Make me happy. Make me proud. Show me some love. And there's a little ghost in the bottom right hand corner with the magnifying glass, the Sherlock Holmes hat on. And that little ghost uh, will subscribe you to our to our YouTube page. And you can get to and for you guys on TikTok, that YouTube page is YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts California Haunts Radio. And like I said, we've got more than 4, 570, 70 odd videos over there, all different topics. Check it out, because I'm sure you'll find something you like. Okay, that being said, uh YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> too many people. TikTok, I have set a goal of uh, 50 easter eggs and uh what what, what i have to explain about this is uh i would be happy with even 20 easter eggs at this point but uh california haunts is a nonprofit, profit and anything that happens to the equipment or anything we have to do comes out of my pocket including internet fees telephone you know, phones computers whatever and if i could get some help paying some of those bills that would be great and you guys i'm just starting out on TikTok, and uh if you could uh Help me out a little bit, you know, with and reach my goal tonight of Easter eggs. That would be wonderful because I do have to pay bills like anybody else. And I do see you down there, whoever you are. And like I said, you're you're far away to me. So, you know, I still see you there. Now, what we're doing tonight is the guest that was supposed to be on California Haunts Radio could not show up because she's ill. So what I do in turn is every Sunday evening, I read from a paranormal-themed book. Sometimes it's a fantasy paranormal-themed book. Sometimes it's based on something true. This particular book by Anna Maria Manalo is called "Unholy Structure," and it's based on a true story of a paranormal team that ha- that got involved with a haunting at a mansion. And uh, we're at, we're up to chapter 37 right now, and a lot of scary stuff went on. And being as experienced as I am as a ghost hunter, you know, for almost 25 years doing this, the stuff that this group is experiencing would have had would have sent red red flags with me and i would have ended up you know calling in extra help right away because this this stuff was just 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 nuts okay so this is what we're doing tonight we're going to be reading from her book so i mean if if you have stuff to do like do your dishes or or eat your dinner or whatever it's a good time to do that just leave me on your screen blah 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 the other thing i asked just like i asked over here for uh for uh (laughs) see it's confusing for facebook and uh Twitter and everything else is to show me some love. So if you could hit those like buttons, because I would like to get a thousand likes tonight, it would be great. If you guys could give me a thousand likes tonight while I read, I'd really appreciate it. Just keep hitting that, just keep hitting that phone. Okay, keep hitting your screen, keep hitting your screen. And again, I'll try to talk to all of you guys at once. If I if I stop to have conversation in between, I'll try to do all that tonight. So uh, yeah, show me some love. Keep keep hitting those likes and help me out with some Easter eggs if you could. I'd really appreciate it. Anyway. We left off in Chapter 37, and things were going on at the house. And so we're going to continue from there. And so, again, um, because my my new contacts, I haven't got proper reading glasses to go with them yet. Can't read the hardcover. I was reading off my cell phone. I won't be reading off that. I'm going to be reading off the Kindle on my laptop. So I'll be off this page, even though I'll be on. But I'll be off this page on onto the Kindle page of my laptop and reading. All right. So that being said, uh, love to have all you guys with us over there on TikTok. I really appreciate you guys coming. And 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 if, if you like the book and you, you like what's going on tonight, call some of your family and friends over and have them listen as well. But uh, if you can help me reach my goal of uh, 50 Easter eggs tonight, I'd be happy with 20, to be honest. Help me get those 50 Easter eggs and help me get some more likes. Okay, I'm, I'm looking to get some more likes so I can stay up in that algorithm. So help me out. Okay, so here we go. Unholy Structure, written by Anna Maria Manalo. And this is based on a true investigation of a paranormal group back in the Midwest. I think it's the Midwest. uh, In a Haunted Mansion, literal Haunted Mansion. So here we go. Chapter 37. Make sure I get this right. Okay, there we go. 10.20 p.m. How is that possible? What do you mean? It's still 10.20 on my watch. Ryan looked out at his watch as he checked the time for himself. It is, he confirmed to Larry. Focus, guys, John prodded. Ryan held the camera under his arm as he followed the flashlight down the wooden steps. The basement door creaked behind him. Hey, secure that before something shuts us in. Larry was at the rear, turning the knob to the open position. John, will you shine? They crept down one step at a time. Sally watched them from the van, hunched, now sweating with the blanket wrapped around her. Shen unraveled herself from the self-imposed cocoon. She felt the deep need to go to the bathroom and saw the improvised bedpan Ryan had put together with her, for her with a sliced milk jug. Okay, guys, just coming on, those of you coming on on, on TikTok, we are reading from Unholy Structure by Ana Maria Manalo. My um, guest tonight for the California Haunts Radio Show could not make it because of illness. So uh, we are doing what we do every Sunday, which is read from a ghost themed book. And this is a true story. So if you guys are interested in hearing a true ghost story, listen in. Also, please be sure to to tap that screen for heart uh, to, to give me likes and all that good stuff because I'm looking for likes and start start really building this thing up. And also I have a goal of 50 Easter eggs. If you can help me out with that, I'd appreciate it. Unholy structure. She reached for it, still dreading leaving the safety of the van. She examined the improvised bedpan. She positioned the container next to her stool. That's kind of weird the way that's written, isn't it? She positioned the the container next to her stool and eyed the locked van door, then the screen separating the front seats from her back area. She pulled away from the cot, spreading the blanket over her legs as she squatted. Relief flooded her features. Then she heard the EVP go off. B, 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 a green blinking light. The EVP machine from the basement, now on the stairs that Larry just passed and planted on their way down. I was like, get ready? i was trying to, I gotta get these in a certain position. There it goes. It just went off. Activity. Sally bolted up, almost upending her stool. She looked at the monitor as the EVP machine's green lines leapt up and down on the chart. She strained to hear. Chapter Thirty Eight. Now we jump back in time, late spring, seventeen ninety. Remember, this is the true story of a paranormal team investigating a allegedly haunted mansion. Fire, fire is less messy. It's cleaner. I'm not wasting my time with you anymore, Janine. I'll bury whatever I'll bury whatever remains of of the remains of you. I tossed your friends onto a pile like dead wood. After all, they'll be dead wood. Dead wood. You, your elderly friend, and that stupid maid. I covered them up and then piled the wood for the fireplaces on top. A nice bonfire for a Saturday evening feast. Right by the back veranda. That would make a good background for on the woods. It's far enough away from the hotel. Don't you think, stupid woman? I didn't even pay you, Janine. Maybe you. Maybe you would have liked me better if I would paid you. Stop looking at me like that with your glassy eyes. I'll cut your ears off. Then your eyes. Good. Scared you a bit. Let's have a bonfire. After your time in the kitchen, serving girls, come out here and have some real barbecue. I tasted them myself. Truly, you must try. But first, who is this nosy kid? He is young, can't be more than ten or eleven. Come here, lad. I, get some serious mo- I got some serious money for you for the next circus. Come over here. Nice boy. Come help me. You light the fire, and I'll watch from the cemetery. Okay? Maybe you can help me bury them there. Chapter thirty-nine. Again, uh, please hit the, please tap that. Here we go. I'm trying to get the right spot here. Okay. See, it disappears on me. I don't know why it disappears on me. Okay. Okay. I know it's, okay, there it goes. Again, please, please tap your screen over there on TikTok. Show me some love. Show me some likes. Reverted to the monitor, adjusting the knobs as she stared, Sally turned some of the lights on in the interior of the van. It truly helped dispel the gloom. She felt glued to what was unraveling on the monitor. The beeping of the EVP had stopped. Another bang outside. Sally turned away, wondering if there were birds out there making contact with the van. Turkey vultures after Carrion. But where was the Carrion? Carrion. I think it's Carrion. C-A-R-R-I-O-N. It would be too dark to see. He turned back just in time to see Ryan find a spot on the basement floor to plant the last camera. It showed him looking down at the viewfinder, cleaning it with a rag. She could hear their conversation as they left the walkie-talkie on. There you go, spotless now. It was John. A lantern on the floor, two legs, then another pair of legs. Larry placed the EVP machine on a shelf. It stopped beeping. Do me a favor and bring that back to the stairs. John. Where it beeped before? Okay, boss. Larry. Larry grabbed the EVP device. Ryan was fiddling with the angle of the camera and it showed the man and it showed the man at shoulder height now. Better, Sally thought. She watched. Larry walked up the steps. Nothing. Bring it around, John added. Sally watched Larry walk as he walked around the basement as Ryan panned the camera around the basement. B b b b Ryan turned the camera to show the EVP lights blinking green. Sally looked back in shock. Oh, my God. Her mic wasn't on, so her exclamation didn't interrupt the men. Behind Larry, who held a green blinking light, a slim form of a child stood in the shadows. A boy with a long-sleeved shirt rolled up to his elbows and wrinkled long pants. The boy appeared sooty, like like a chimney sweep. The boy had no face. It reminded her of a play she'd seen with John a few years ago when they went to New York City. Le, Le Miz. Sally whispered to herself, totally riveted at the ghost. She checked the monitor, recording. Larry turned back to the stairs. The beeping continued. Larry placed the EVP recorder on the stairs. When Larry straightened, the image of the boy behind him had vanished. Sally inhaled, her mouth agape. The camera was placed on the floor looking up. John walked past the camera, then turned to inspect something out of view. Ryan passed the camera. As he did so, the huge head of a dog with red eyes materialized, staring right at Sally. Then she could see the size of its body, about as tall as her husband. It was in the basement with the men. Sally stood from her stool, terrified. Guys, John, she yelled into the mic. Grab the camera. There's There's a deeper room here, a corridor, John said. John, John, there's something behind you. Sally yelled into the walkie. Someone lifted the camera. No one heard Sally. A growl. The camera panned. The specter vanished. Okay, Ryan's voice said. And then another growl. Hey, what's that? It was Larry. The camera moved. Following the back of John and Larry, Ryan was at the rear. Sally remained standing, hurriedly turning up the volume on the mic. She wondered why they didn't hear her. She fiddled with the walkie. John, didn't you hear that growling? Sally repeated. No reply. Guys, you hear a growl? It was Larry. Ryan turned the camera behind him, the floating visage of a dog's head with red eyes. The same one it had seen. Darn, it was Ryan. The camera dropped to the floor. It's behind me, Ryan yelled, running. Ryan, Ryan, John's voice. The camera was picked up. John dashed after Ryan. Larry turned the camera to show his face. Sally, did you get that? He appeared shaken. Did you tape the growl? Yes, both. Can you hear me now? Then the face of John entered the camera. He touched the walkie. Yeah, hun. Ryan's okay. We're all, we're all okay, John replied. Sally sighed. Let's continue, John prodded. The camera passed hands. Ryan turned it to face Sally, his face somber. Still on the edge, sweaty. We're all still here, Ryan said, trying to remain reassuring. The camera was turned, showing their way down a narrow passage that ended in a room filled with stacks and stacks of logs and gold. The men started coughing. John covered his mouth as the stench overpowered them. Ryan panned the camera around the room. The camera paused. Under one pile of coal, a ribcage protruded. No way it was Ryan. John shined the flashlight, gagging at the bones that appeared collected as a heap peeking between the pieces of coal. How can a pile of bones sitting for centuries still smell a decay? A boot kicked the pile. kicked at the pile. Some of the coal and logs fell, revealing more bones and fragments. No flies. You see this? A finger pointed. This might be an uh, abattoir right here, Larry added in consternation. They animals or... Ryan queried. The camera panned a, lar- panned a large heap, then moved to a door. Open it, John said. Maybe the smell is from here. Or, I'm sorry, maybe the smell is from there, Larry added. Did places like this use, use the basement as a slaughterhouse? Nervous laughter. Sally saw a hand turn the lock and then the knob. The knob fell off. A steel-toed booted foot rose and kicked the door. It swung open. A view of the outside by the side of the large stone veranda. They saw the woods beyond behind the mansion. Fresh air. You see this? The camera moved outside, the woods beyond showing ominously in the darkness. The camera turned right to a huge pile of burnt pieces of masonry and blocks of stone, rubble. The camera closed in. Oh, Mother Mary! It was Ryan exclaiming. Sally could hear both John and Larry exclaiming in the background. Within the pile of rubble, torn bones of what used to be feet inside what used to be shoes and steel, steel buttons, a mangled mess of unidentifiable objects. Something was glinting within the pile. John picked it up, an emerald ring. Sally willed herself to keep watching, the microphone by her side, the walkie-talkie on the other. She glanced at her watch. Midnight. Sally, are you recording all this? John asked. She tapped the mic. All of it, she added. Guys, don't touch anything, John said. He put the ring back in the rubble. Man, no one's been back here since. Ryan sounded appalled. Obviously, no. Not any of the construction crews. The camera panned the vicinity. One side of the yard showed materials, stone, siding, cement, and large bags, all waiting for a renovation. Abandoned. Mold grew on the top and sides of the materials, still secured in pallets. Waiting. Abandoned. Chapter Forty, Sunday, six thirty a.m. Again, for everybody, uh, the guest couldn't make it tonight, so we are reading from Maria Anna Maria Manalo's book, Unholy Structure. And if you like what you see, please hit that like. Please hit those like buttons and show me some love, some hearts, and, well, and everything else you can show me love with. But uh, if you're watching from TikTok, please be sure to tap the screen and uh, se- send me some hearts. Send me some hearts. John exited the mansion again, the last one out. He had just called out sick for Monday, feeling worn, feverish, and an overall sense of malaise. Malazi? Malaise. He wondered if he was getting COVID. As he strode towards the van, Sally stepped out one last time to tie the trash together that had collected during their stay. She was wearing the standard disposable gloves, which she now used in, the, in light. and she now used to light a pandemic that was ranging. John grabbed the bag and took it to the steel container where a pile of trash for the garbage collector sat. He called his wife aside, away from the two men who who were already in the van. Hun, from here on, anything we use here, we toss here. I don't even want trash going back to our house. And now he's getting nervous. I understand. I hope no one picked up that ring. John shook his head. I don't want anything from this house, not even disposable cups. Not just because of the pandemic. I understand. He squeezed her shoulder as Sally entered the van as Larry pulled the double door shut. John walked up to Ryan, who was behind the wheel. I forgot my cell phone. Be right back. John walked up the porch, opened the large front door, and entered. The windows, open without curtains to lend privacy, showed John walking through the drawing room, searching. Then he paused and waved. He held up his cell phone for Ryan to see. Ryan nodded from in the front seat. John emerged from the front door. At the window next to him, the man who appeared earlier in the kitchen looked out at Ryan, the same faceless man who floated to the ceiling. Just a few feet from John, Ryan blinked. He lifted his cell phone and took a photo of the specter. The specter lifted, moving upwards, as he had in the kitchen. John sent something. He turned and followed Ryan's line of sight. He looked into the window near him where the specter had floated seconds before. Empty. John jingled his keys, striding towards the van. Did you see the man at the window? Ryan asked. I felt something. The same man we saw in the kitchen behind you, Ryan pointed out. He was looking out at me. Too bad the cameras aren't rolling anymore. It's following you, John," Ryan added. John hesitated, his nerves on end. Anger seized him for some reason. "Don't you say that again!" You hear me? Ryan stared back, aghast at John's sudden outburst. "I'm—I'm I'm just pointing it out. I don't want any of this crap following me home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." "Don't even think it." "I won't," Ryan said, feeling reprimanded. Larry watched through the mesh screen, in the back, as Sally looked on in surprise. Ryan turned on the engine, coaxing the van out. They drove down the lane. Behind them, the front door blew open. Chapter 41, Monday Night. Again, if you guys like what you see, please hit that like button. And if you're over there on TikTok watching and you like what you see, please tap that screen. Tap that screen. All right. Chapter 41, Monday Night. Hi, John. Jerry here. Hey. Hey, did you leave the door open? John paused as he stared at the corporation logo on the computer. Murray Properties. The owners of the mansion had redone their website. He also noticed that the mansion advertised its opening soon in the list of inns and hotels. Oh, and he also noticed that the mansion advertised its opening soon in the list of inns and hotels was missing. The mansion they were investigating. I locked it as usual. Why? My crew came on Monday and saw all kinds of squirrels in the for, in, in the foyer. Just saying, just saying to lock up. He looked at the spare keys on the wall, his own. He left the keys of the mansion in the van outside his house. I locked up, Jerry. My men will swear. Yeah, didn't didn't say you didn't. Just checking to be double sure. That's odd. Yep, everything at that place is that odd. You believe me, right? Yep, I'm with you, man. Just be careful. I'm making double sure we don't bring back anything with us. John stood, watching his wife hang clothes on the line. The wind was blowing. It looked like rain. He stared at the laptop, the logo of the company still on his mind. John? Still here. Speaking of not bringing home anything. Yeah. You remember the electrician laying down the cable? John squinted, trying to recall the electric guy who passed him a few times. Outside, John continued to watch Sally fighting against the wind to pin his shirt on the line. The wind was picking up. Brent. That's him. He got something from the ground. John turned away from the window, now unwrapped. What did he get from the ground? He's brought it back today. You gotta see it. Tell me. When are you coming back, your team? Friday night, to wrap up. Come sooner if you can. The dude dug up a bone. John smacked his head as if he finally recalled the man. Yeah, it's coming to me now. This this is where he went down the road and found a cemetery with a werewolf or something. Dog man. Yeah, he found something to prove what he saw. A dog bone? Hang on, I lost my mouse. <laughs> it's here somewhere. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yep, he took it home like a trophy. I bet you won't believe what his dog did, did to his puppy. John turned back to the window. Sally was now running to collect the laundry as the rain came down his sheets. Lightning lit up the sky. Gotta go, Jerry. I'll come as soon as I get off work. John dropped the phone as thunder, thr- thunder thrummed the ground and lit up the sky. He ran. Chapter 42 Again, guys, if you like what you see, please be sure to Shoot some love my way, tap that screen for likes, and send me some happy faces and stuff over there on Facebook and YouTube. Brent was in total shock. He had just put down the dish full of food in the same few seconds before Pooh had his meal, and here was Will inching in to eat Pooh's food. Then, as he turned to get water, Pooh snarled, paused, then attacked Will. He had to separate them. He called for his sons, both in their early 20s in the adjacent ha- in the adjacent house. They came running, separating the two dogs. He was now at the veterinarian again, this time for stitches for Will. He had examined the femur he dug up at the grounds of the mansion. It looked too big for a mastiff. He noted a fresh cut, part missing on one end, as if something had him on it. He wrapped it, convincing him to return it to the ground it came from. Then the vet came out in scrubs, appearing worn out. In his hand, he had a spur. He handed it to Brent. I found this stuck in his jaw. Prior to anesthesia, anesthesia, I make sure they don't have anything in their mouths. Brent looked down, examining the spur. A bone that could have lodged in his throat. Right. But I used to be a pathologist. I know bones. Okay. This is no regular pet store bone for dogs. This is part of a human bone. Chapter 43 John ran out in time to see another bolt of lightning light up the sky. He had four acres of land around him, with only with only the pond as a marker to distinguish it from endless grass, and Sally's vegetable garden near the shed. Next to the shed were the clotheslines. Then the above-ground pool, he himself and had installed one recent one recent summer. On this pool were strewed several clothes that had come and pinned from the wind. Sally had removed the remaining clothes she'd meant to hang from the line, but the dry ones had flown out of her reach and into the pool. John grabbed the remaining clothing from the line as the wind began to renew its vigor. Sally. Sally dashed to the pool to retrieve the clothing that floated on the surface. Sally, stay away from the water. Lightning hit. John ran towards the pool. Sally fell as the bolt hit the water. John pulled Sally away from the pool. Miraculously, she was unhurt. She tripped before making contact with the water when the lighting had hit. Ozone filled the air. Sally sat on the ground, breathing. Then she looked up. John reached down, offering his hand. You're okay? You're fine? Let's get you inside to be dry. John? Yeah, hun. i I'm getting a really bad feeling. You don't feel right? Do you want to get tested? Rain pummeled both their faces. I'm fine. I'm at the house. Don't go back to that house. The investigation? Yes, there's a man there. He's evil. There's many there. The growling tells me. The one in the kitchen. The one following you. John pulled Sally up, helping her inside the door. John suddenly remembered what Ryan told him minutes after he locked the front door, which opened which opened after they left. The man in the kitchen. The man in the kitchen who was at the front window watching. He's following you, John, Ryan had said. John placed a pot on the stove, grabbing a towel. Sally dried her hair. He watched her, enjoying the simple act of caring for his wife. He found himself overjoyed that she was safe. Sally looked up from the towel, sensing his eyes on her. Content. He envies you. He envies that you are happy. No one will steal my joy away. Don't. No one will, I promise. Outside, lightning lit up the foreboding sky as thunder from the steel steel pool. Chapter 44, Friday. Again, if you guys like what you hear, uh, please be sure to hit those like buttons. Show me some love, everybody. goes for everybody on TikTok and everybody out there in uh, t- uh, YouTube and Facebook land. John hunched over the assembly of monitors, the EVP recorders also nearby. Ryan sat on his right, Larry to his left. They were in the kitchen again, where Sally busied herself this time by making sandwiches to take to the overnight. A look of concern marred her face, her stress evident. Coffee brewed in a large glass carafe nearby, beginning to bubble. The monitors flickered on. Several cameras with views of different rooms, including the second dining room where Scott had heard a party in progress. The, man ex- the men examined each one, but nothing showed to be even slightly odd, until they focused on the camera that they collectively brought to the basement, where they all had the encounters, seen by Sally in the van. The 11-year-old boy with a, ma- with a matching EVP. Larry turned up the volume as Ryan and John sat and The child exuded misery, a look so forlorn and a sense of isolation. As the specter shimmered with the imperfect and grainy video, a sound issued forth from the machine. He told me. John replayed it. He told me. He hit the rewind button. He told me. It was the voice of a boy. Then, where the image was, there was a dark mist, then a group of red orbs, no one with their eyes, no one with the rise of the scene. The orbs floated around the, in the basement, and then the EVP came on again, a growling. Sally approached. That I heard from the van. Larry turned on the dial to adjust the brightness, hoping to see what Sally saw, the image of a huge dog with red eyes. Instead, red orbs floated around the room. You wiped the lens, Larry qualified. I did, but they're red, not dust, Ryan said. Dust doesn't show color, Sally added. Then, with the volume on, the loudest howl issued from the machine. John had never heard anything like it. They stood and rapped, hoping the face of the dog specter would show on tape—the one whose bones they later found among the rubble. Then the shrill sound of the landline made them collectively jump. Sally reached for the wall. Jerry. John. Sally handed the handset to John. Yeah, it's Jerry. The electrician's back. Jerry stood with his cell phone to his ear, the electrician standing a few feet away, dressed hang on, say it, Okay, dressed in his uniform. Brent had the femur on the ground by Jerry's feet. They were outside the mansion, halfway to the road leading to the cemetery. Can you come? Yeah, we should be there by sundown. I don't think Brent will be here by then. Any chance you coming over now? John looked over at the men, then Sally. Jerry, I know you told me a little bit about what happened with his dogs. About the dogs, but there's more. You might be able to use this as evidence for the property people. There's a lot. Is he working tomorrow, during the day, I mean? A pause. John heard murmurs, Brent talking. Hey, John, it's Brent Cooper. I got some recordings to look over before we get there. You're going to be there tomorrow? Yes, but not late. I don't want to be here after dark. Name your time in the morning. I'll be here early, eight-ish. Fine. We'll be finishing another overnight, so we'll catch you when you arrive in the morning. I promise I'll listen this time. Chapter forty-five. missed it. Oh, I'm missing it. Come on, don't do that. Okay. There we go. All right. Strewed all around the trenches strewn all around the trenches where Brent had dug were what appeared to be first as rags, fiber. Color had been bleached from from them, but it was obvious that at one time there were pieces of well-tailored clothing. They were all similar in cut and style, uniforms. Then there were pieces of leather, also in its most decomposed state. Remains of fine boots, steel spurs, brass buttons, and some trenches there were pieces of bones. John examined the overturned dirt, trenches, and general flotsam that bred that Brent had dug after he had taken home what he believed to be a dog femur. Unused to seeing anything more than animal remains, Brent had kept digging to make way for the cable, assuming hang on a second, assuming that somehow the neighboring cemetery, in a state of disuse and lack of maintenance, had given over to the dross that was now past its walls. In his lack of experience, he had unwittingly des- desecrated a mass grave from an earlier century. John and Ryan both walked through the piles of debris at each trench Brent had dug. John took mobile phone photos of the digs, the bones, and whatever appeared to be pieces of degraded clothing. There were shiny pieces of metals, another ring made of plain silver, and even bones and bridles of horses. Jerry had secured the emerald ring after John photographed it in situ, contacting the owners, who responded that the property had been purchased in the rush to avoid a bidding war, and thus they had not inspected the pile of coal under the veranda, nor the pile of coal and logs in the basement. They were just developers eager to develop. Upon later inspection, John also found a ring that appeared to be a lieutenant's. It had some sort of military symbol embossed on it, and no one in the group had knowledge of the Civil War. He concluded he concluded, hang on a second, that it was a graveyard of fallen Civil War soldiers, an unofficial one that had not been discovered until now. With the photographs now in their mobiles, John asked Jerry if they could together call the owner, Murray Properties, and ask for a meeting about the disposition of the remains they'd found. They would happily email them all the photographs. If it was all deemed historical, like the mansion itself, a plaque or even a statue seemed appropriate to honor the mass grave. John was eager to close a case where a referral was imminent, not just to the clergy but to a historical society that would honor the fallen in the mansion, which was perhaps better fitted to be a museum. Then Brent shared his experience with the cemetery, and John decided to devote another overnight to add to the mounting list of encounters that had appeared within within the several yards of each other. I've never had anything like this happen to me before, believe me, Brent commented, a bit flushed by his recollections of his dog's behavior. John sat on the edge of the stone wall of the cemetery, mindful of his surroundings, which he now knew might have scattered remains, might whole scattered remains. I hear you. I never thought this site was that active. How do you deal with this? all this? John really had no answer. He surveyed the woods adjacent to the cemetery, grappling for an answer. And knew he had none. I hope giving you back the human bone ends my problems, Brent added. You're giving it back to the burial site as you found it, John replied. It was not intentional. Usually when you disturb a grave, which I know you didn't know what it was, sometimes something happens, reacts. But you have returned it back to its place and it will be marked shortly. Marked? Who would be doing that? Well, for starters, we will first. Then the historical society is our next call with permission, with permission from, from the owners. So no one disturbs it? That's the idea. Another man took a piece of furniture home and also had an unfortunate incident. We need to stop that from happening again. I heard about that. Is he okay? I hope so. Sometimes we unwittingly invite things we don't want and learn when it's too late, John qualified. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you when we first met. If you don't mind telling me about your first encounter, I would really appreciate it. Brett sighed and then recounted, now with more detail, the first evening of the weekend when he saw the... uh, when he saw the upright canine that he described as a werewolf. He mentions seeing, seeing fire on the third floor and in the attic and in the orbs. Those are all the things we've now seen. It might be the same one our team saw in the basement. The guy helping in the attic saw the dog creature too, more or less. Yours appears to be more malevolent. I'm just glad that one didn't follow me home. The one you describe as a werewolf. Yes. How large do you think it was? From about several yards there, he pointed to the area, taller than me. I'm six foot two. Do you mind walking the perimeter of the cemetery with me while there's light? I just want to jog your memory a bit more. Okay, fine. Chapter 46, the fifth overnight. Again, if you guys like what you hear, please, hit, please tap that screen and please hit those like buttons and uh, show me some love. Show me you appreciate these stories, all right? John sat behind the wheel of his truck with Brian on the passenger side. It was 11 at night. Earlier that Saturday, the team had, re- had reconvened at their favorite diner for breakfast after the fourth and fifth overnight in the mansion. John firmly told his team they needed to close the case with the evidence they recorded and their collective experiences. They would share. They would share what each experienced show what was allowed by the house to be recorded, and walk. Thus, they decided to leave the van at John's house, leaving Sally and Larry to review the recordings to catch up on sleep, and all the other chores that had to be placed aside to make way for the current investigation. Larry still had to do research at John's earlier request to look into the history of the cemetery. They hoped that Larry's search would help give more credence to the haunted history of the mansion and the area. John would support whatever he hoped Larry would find at the library and internet with whatever he and Ryan recorded that night. John touched the stubble on his chin, yawning as he stared at the camera positioned at the other end of the cemetery furthest from the mansion side yard. It showed a view of the tombstone and the woods behind. The view made him shiver. Ryan had his cell phone with him with an app for the second camera showing the other side of the cemetery. which was closer to their position. On the dashboard was a small EVP recorder, the green lines flat. The night was balmy and quiet in this neighborhood, considering it was a Saturday night. No cars with teens en route to a party or a gathering passed. No families with small children, not even couples, young or elderly, walked its lonely lanes. It was a forgotten neighborhood of grand old homes that appeared forgotten. It led an air of loneliness, a forlorn aura, of years discarded and left to rot. Ryan sat comfortably in the summer sweat in his summer sweats, a hoodie over his head, draped to ward off a fresh September chill. The camera Ryan was observing was aimed at where Brent had seen the entity he called a werewolf. To duplicate the event, John parked a truck under a large tree where Brent's van had been parked the night he saw the creature, eleven twenty PM. John noted this was the approximate time Brett had sighted the werewolf and the orbs floating around the third floor. From their seats in the truck, they had a view of both the mansion's third floor windows and the cemetery to their right. No other vehicles were, were around them, and John felt a stark sense of remoteness, of being cut off. As the two men continued their vigil, John's thoughts wandered to their final overnight as a team inside the mansion. The vigil had yielded no further surprises. except for one incident that chilled and to the bone. Once again, there was no concrete evidence to support it. Supported. It stayed with John through the day and filled him with foreboding. This time, true to Ryan's and Sally's concerns, John did feel something was attached to him. It was an encounter again for John, only in a different bathroom. Again, it happened when he was alone. It was already 3.20 a.m., according to his watch. He noted that the identical triple digits had stopped happening, and he was wondering what it meant. Somehow, he had interpreted the triple numbers as a sign of angelic presence, which he had read somewhere. On this last overnight vigil, John took the least investigated area of the house, the area where Ed had encountered the head of the dog, through the rain-splatter window, and heard an unearthly howl preceded by a scratching. Somehow, The ghost of an animal seemed less of a priority than a human spirit. It was a room that was next to a bedroom with a four-poster bed where they now knew might have been where the lady in lavender had somehow met with tragedy. The attic tub, the specter of a dog and it's scratching and howling, the child phantom and the man that came in the black mist, all, it seemed, were somehow connected to a tragedy. Then the kitchen and the front window where the rest of the team saw a man floating upwards and staring at John as John busied himself nearby. As John pondered, the only clear tragedy to John and his team was the illusion to fire by the voices heard by the men, including John himself, and the concrete evidence of the newer portion of the building at the rear of the house. Then there were the human bones, the remains that came to rest in the basement, their identities still to be determined, If someone cared enough to fix the house after a fire, didn't anyone see or hear about the remains of the basement? How did the pile of human cremains come to lie untouched through two two centuries, if not three? All that John could conclude was that the basement basement was so haunted that no one dared enter it after the fire, as the team found out for themselves. The pile of untouched materials at the back edge of the property, still wrapped and on pallets proved that no one ventured to disturb the back area of the mansion. For some inexplicable reason, only the upper floors had been renovated after the fire. John grabbed the battery operated lantern and exited the bedroom. As he walked down the hall, his mind busily tried to string together the encounters from one overnight to another and from all the collective workers' encounters. Fatigued from the repeated overnights and the stress to prove the infestations, John knew he was getting sick. His rushing his rushing thoughts that invaded him, even in sleep, made him let, rest less, but eat more. He was glad when he and Sally finally got their vaccines, as Sally was on the front line of health workers. Still, he felt less than his normal self. He felt drained and anxious, his temper frayed. John turned and walked to the first bathroom, which he had designated as the bathroom for everyone to use, while on to th- thread th- that floor. It had a modern toilet that had been installed during the renovations, that had first been interrupted five years ago. Everyone was on a lower floor this time, as the attic was now secured and off-limits after the encounters there. The cloth-wooded tub remained glued to the floor, the insides alternating between stains of blood and a stark white, depending on who was viewing it. That was another thing in itself. The well-appointed bathroom, which had a large pedestal sink, was decorated in federal style. The wallpaper was newer in comparison to the other side of the house up front. John put the lantern down on a dresser near the sink. As he inspected his face in the mirror, the lantern began flickering. Then it went out. He fiddled with the switch, flicking it off and on. It switched off again. Then he heard the scratching outside the door. John listened, wishing someone else were there to hear it. Somewhere outside in the hall, something or someone was waiting. Another scratch. The phantom dog. Then the distinct sound of a dog whining. John touched the doorknob. It was cold to the touch. He backed away. He flicked on the lantern and looked at the mirror. As he looked up at the mirror, his jaw dropped. A mist began swirling like smoke behind him. It was the smoke again. John expected a woman's voice to yell fire. This time it was different. A chilling grip went around John's throat. He reached for his throat and found the coarse and chilled hand of the fingers of a man. Terror seized him as he felt the grip. Then, in his mind, he heard, There is only one of you, and there are many of us. Then the hand disappeared. Two dark eyes showed behind him. He bolted. Out in the hallway, as fast as he could, down the stairs, another flight. Behind him, the sound of a dog running. He realized he had been running in the dark. Another flight of stairs. Then, at the last floor the ground floor, a man stood barring the front door in silhouette. John reached for his crucifix. He dug in his pocket for the vial of holy water. His pockets were empty. He had left them in the bedroom. John, is that you? It was Larry. John leaned over grasping his knees, heaving in fear. He had been holding his breath. Ryan looked up past the dashboard and noted the heavy clouds. John looked up, a portentous sky. Ryan was munching away at a bag of potato chips. Ryan offered the open bag. John shook his head, touching his paunch. John dimly dimly recalled the chips were were brown Sally light. Roxanne favored soft pretzels. He dozed. Chapter forty-seven. Again, guys, if you like what you hear, please tap that screen to let me know. Please tap that screen. Same thing with Facebook and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please hit those like buttons and the thumbs up and all that good stuff. Really appreciate it if you do. Chapter forty-seven. Find my page doesn't want to doesn't want to turn. Hang on, guys. There we go. Wrong button. She was young. John thought. She was a child at first. She must be about 16 at the most. Dressed simply in a garb of yellow that was, cin- that was excuse me, my eyes, cinched at the waist with a piece of leather, like a belt, and a mantle in light blue. She had long dark hair, wavy and thick. It was concealed in the headdress of her mantle, as if she felt it too shocking to show. Her eyes were wide, kind, with an even deeper shade of blue than the mantle. She appeared so serene. John reckoned she was of Middle Eastern descent. Slim plain wearing here. Slim plain wearing a pair of simple leather sandals. She sat next to John, but she didn't really seem to sit. He realized she was hovering, but not above him. She faced she faced him at eye level. And he understood it to mean she was once human. There was a joy and a calmness to her that made John feel so comfortable and at peace. He sensed his inner being radiating with her. He sensed he sensed he was in the presence of someone higher than him despite her message of humaneness. despite her message of humanness okay hang on let me get this thing switch it okay he felt so complete John's stress dimmed and disappeared all his worries and his concerns seemed to melt in her presence overcome with the profoundness of the moment John asked in his head who are you I am the universal mother there it is. Okay. John looked up at the serene face and realized with clarity who she was. The moment soared timeless. He felt weightless, a sense of expansiveness and gave him energy. John looked at his watch, 333. He felt enveloped in an invisible white shield. Believe, she said, with a kindness that he had never seen before. He believed her. Chapter Forty-Eight. Keep tapping, keep tapping, keep tapping, and keep liking. John, John, Ryan was shaking him. John, there's something. John startled awake, seeing Ryan with a look on his face. They were in the truck. BbB. The EVP was blinking green. The green lines were going haywire. John sat up. Streaks of tears still on his face. He wiped his face, trying to hide it from Ryan, who looked back in terror. It's, it's, it's here. John sat up as he heard Ryan lock the doors. It's back, John. John stared at the camera on the dashboard, then at Ryan's cell phone. The EVP was recording. Beep, beep, beep. Ryan poked him with his finger, speechless. John looked up and saw Ryan's eyes. Ryan pointed out the passenger window. Droplets of rain began forming on the window, joining to form rivulets. Clouds sailed across the ominous sky, but it wasn't the weather that his assistant was pointing to. Past the cemetery wall, something was moving. It was moving in their direction. John gawked as Ryan gripped his cell phone. On the app, the specter didn't show, even though the camera was aimed at whatever it was. Only rain dripped into the screen. Ryan turned to John to show him that the cemetery, other than the gravestones, showed no specter. It's like a vampire. Yeah, it was there, walking on all fours past the graves. As it stood on its hind legs, its torso cleared the broken wall. It was also walking upright, closing in on their position. It paused and glared back. Bright red eyes to find it. That's not not the dog we saw in the basement. No? Who cares? Ryan said on the edge of panic. Then it stepped over the broken wall, towards the truck. John looked at the camera. Nothing. The EVP machine had stopped. It moved without sound. Then a deep growl. What in the heck? John exclaimed. Let's let's get the Ryan reached for the ignition, terrified. John, please. Ryan begged as John continued to stare unmoving. John felt glued to his seat, feeling helpless as he watched the terrifying monstrosity approach. He dug in his pants, reaching for the rosary. He raised the rosary. Hail Mary, full of grace. Ryan looked back and forth. You're kidding, right? Nothing on the camera. It's it's closing in. Blessed art thou, John intoned. Ryan paused. The specter was shimmering like a hologram in the darkness. It's not working, Ryan said, pleading. Get the holy water. Ryan reached behind him in the back seat. He saw the specter was closing in. I can't find it. Ryan lowered half his body to the back seat, frantically searching. John kept praying. Ryan saw the vial snatch the small plastic container. Open it. You're You're not going out there, are you? John finished praying. The specter stared at them with menace, just inches from Ryan's window. Then it stared at the rosary John had raised through the passenger window. Ryan sighed. Ryan was shivering with terror. He turned towards John, his back to the menacing specter. You're not welcome here, John said firmly. The eyes, they bored through him. The specter turned, its back burnt, and sin as like it had been in a fire. The smell of sulfur through the rain. The closed windows. Poof, it vanished. Something slithered towards the house and disappeared right through the front door. The men watched. The rain descended in earnest. The lightning hit the front door of the mansion, the yard, the gravestones of the cemetery. It was gone. Chapter 49. Again, if you like what you hear, please tap that screen and let me know. Send me some likes, send me some love. Same thing with Facebook and YouTube. 1.30 a.m. Sally turned her Toyota sedan to the long drive and parked by, right by the garage. The lights were out. Roxanne was already asleep. She exited the car in her nursing uniform, grabbing the groceries and entered the kitchen. She flicked the porch light on as she put down the bags of food. Lightning lit the sky, the clouds heavy with rain. Sally gazed out the kitchen window as she put away the groceries in the refrigerator. She thought about John and hoped the overnight was productive and safe. Hastily, she crossed herself and then proceeded to make a sandwich as the rain poured down in earnest. Watching the sheeting rain, Sally ate, sitting at the kitchen table by herself. Lightning lit, lit up the sky. The trees undulated to the wind, thrumming the windows in their casements, pushing the water's surface on the, on the pond and the pool by the deck. Sally stood, approached the sliding glass door leading to the deck, and tested the lock. It was on. She noted Roxanne had left the table umbrella open, and it began to undulate and threatened to turn itself upside down. The wind blew in earnest as September finally took hold, bringing leaves and twigs to litter the surface of the pool. Sally unlocked the glass door, sliding it open against the onrush of rain. The wind blew at the umbrella, threatening to rip it apart. She reached under for the lever and wound it down against the force of the wind. Sally's uniform stuck to her chest, the rain soaking her dress through. The umbrella came down. Right past the deck, something was staring at her, a dark figure. Red eyes. Sally pulled away from the table in shock. There was that burning smell. The signal lightning was coming. That ozone smell. The eyes followed her and began to move. Oh, God. Sally turned and bolted into the open glass door, rolling it shut. She moved to lock it. Her hair, now stuck to her scalp, had risen like static. She gasped in relief. The door now between her and whatever was outside in the dark. She reached for the deck lights, flicking them on. The thing was no longer there. Sally cried, leaning against the door. Oh, John, please come home. Sheets of rain pummeled the glass, rivulets forming and meeting at the edge of the glass. Chapter 50. This will be the last chapter tonight, guys. Again, if you like what you hear and you're watching from TikTok, please tap that screen and send and, and send me some likes. And if you're watching from YouTube and, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> Facebook, Please, please, please uh, show me some love, you know, with some thumbs up and and whatever else. John decided to call it a night at 2 a.m. He shut off the camera and the EVP machine as Ryan pocketed his mobile. They were done. Ryan heaved a sigh, exhausted, and spent from terror. He leaned back as if to sleep as John turned on the engine and drove in silence. Forty minutes later, with the rain drumming on the roof of the truck, John coasted his vehicle towards the garage door, pressing the overhead button to slide it open. Lights blazed all throughout the house, which surprised him. He looked down at his watch, almost 3 a.m. As the door opened, he saw Sally exit from the door that connected to the garage, her hair still wet. She appeared wide awake. As John turned off the motor, Sally immediately pressed the button to shut the garage door. Something was up. I'm so glad you're home. What happened? It's done. Case closed? Yep, I'm not going back, none of us. I have a story to tell you. So do I, John added, following Sally into the kitchen. She sat at the table. Promise me you're definitely closing the case. After tonight, we are done. After tonight, we all are. You got me now. I won't sleep until you tell me what happened here. First, we're safe. Second, I have no idea what I saw, but I don't want to tell you at at nighttime. She pushed a sandwich on a plate near him. Just eat. Okay, babe, fine by me. If that's what you want. Was tonight horrible? Even Ryan was terrified. Will you save it for tomorrow too? Yes, I want I want it to know that we're not that interested. It? Yes, whatever it was, it no longer will rob us of our peace. Will you sleep like a baby, babe? You? She tapped twice. Yes. All right, guys, we're going to leave it at chapter 51. That's about an hour's worth of reading. I want to thank you all switch over here to stream yard hang on a second let me get on over there okay i want to thank you all for coming i really appreciate everybody that joined in the chat room and and all that good stuff and again if uh people on tick tock if you like what you heard tonight please be sure to tap that tap that screen and show me some love with, with some hearts i love those hearts love to see them and everybody over here on uh, youtube and and uh And Twitch, Twitter and Facebook, uh, please hit that like button, you know, show me some love, thumbs up and all that good stuff. Great book. We're going to continue on Sunday. We're up to chapter 52 or whatever that was, so I'll make a note of it. But uh, tomorrow we're going to have William Ramsey here. We're going to be talking about the Valencia. (laughs) I can't even say it. The, The Valenciaga issue, and uh, he's got some interesting things on his show, William Ramsey Investigates. So we're going to be talking to him, and that'll be 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. Anybody that wants to check out our videos, uh, that's over at YouTube, youtube.com, forward slash California Haunts forward slash at California Haunts Radio. Check us out. There's 570-odd videos sitting over there, just waiting for you to take a look and see what's over there. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming, and I appreciate it. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So let me go ahead and cue out of the main videos. And we'll go from there.